broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Wake up, Mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 950 KWS. I'm John Marsh. Colonel Rick Holmes comes in to join us. U.S. Air Force veteran, former Libertarian Missouri governor candidate. Rick, welcome back, sir. Good to be here. Good morning, everybody. And Missouri Budget Project's Tom Kruckmeyer, former chief state economist or state chief economist uh, we'll figure it out tom as we was we've liked to bill you for years the liberal you love to hate well it's a great honor and i, I appreciate <laughs> that and i'm happy to be here again and um let's uh, talk a little budget and uh, see what's uh, what's going on there yeah governor mike parson was just on with us uh, one day gosh was it last week it runs together after a while we talked to him about what was going to happen at the the capitol and the thing that's come up for so many people out there, we've a record state budget and all, and kind of artificially propped up by the revenue numbers and all. Your take on it as it stands now and where Missouri is headed. Okay, well, uh, it's kind of kind of fun here in a way. I've sat basically in this chair a number of times over the years, and generally uh, the message I brought was, you know, the budget's uh, struggling and there's a lot of problems there. Uh, not true today. Uh, the state budget is actually in very good shape. Um, and this, uh, but the, the important thing is to understand the, the, the primary driving factor, and that's federal money. The federal aid, uh, dealing with the, with the COVID over the recent years has been quite, uh, substantial. And the growth in the budget has certainly been there, but it's been financed primarily with a, a surge in federal, federal funding. Back in, uh, from 2017 to 20, 24, the uh, general revenue portion of the budget grew about 67%. The federal portion grew about 200%. So it's important to understand that. Now, uh, certainly state revenue growth was has been pretty darn good in the last few years, but as everyone has expected, it has begun to taper off, and uh, revenue growth was a little over 2% in FY23, and it's actually negative so far this year. So it's been a good party, but um, the uh, it's probably time to turn out the lights. So, Tom Kruckmeyer's in with us, the Missouri Budget Project on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Tom, thank you so much, uh, and we appreciate you uh, talking to us on the program. I think you bring up a very good point about the influx of federal money, and that actually started under the Trump administration. The CARES Act obviously continued under the, the Biden administration. We've seen a lot of that federal money come in. The governor will unveil his budget sometime in January. We believe it'll be connected to the state of the state address. We don't have an exact date for that yet. So let's just ballpark, say, mid-January. Two things I'm interested in, I'd love your take on. What do you see with the governor with this money you're talking about? What do you see him saying about about state employee pay? And also, do you believe the governor will fund Medicaid expansion in this budget as he has the last several? Well, uh, the, the first answer is I would think and hope that state employees should get another reasonably good pay increase. One of the best things that's 
happened with the uh, excellent budget situation was the state workers did get an 8.7% increase. And again, that's something I talked about quite a bit over the years as, a, of course, a longtime state employee myself. This uh, this was a very good thing. And I wouldn't think you'd be looking at 8 or 9% again, but hopefully something uh, substantial because the state's got a long way to go to get caught up. And besides, it's necessary. Um, understaffing, I would think, is a pretty big problem. Uh, in many, many businesses and certainly state government that has to be able to pay competitive wages to, uh, you know, attract the, uh, the labor force. Now, um, what's going to be funded in, in uh, Medicaid expansion? Well, it, it's in the Constitution that it has to be funded. And I understand that there's some wiggle room in there, but I wouldn't think there'd be any reason not to. I mean, the Medicaid expansion is funded largely again with, with federal monies. And I think one of the reasons the state economy is doing so darn good is uh, there's jobs are created in the healthcare sector, and that's an important part of the economy. the The state unemployment rate recently has been uh, hovering around three percent, you know, give or take. And and I can assure you, as an old person <clears throat> that's uh, worked in economics now for quite a long time, uh, that unemployment rate is almost a record low for a, such a, a sustained period. And I can certainly recall uh, governors I served under, I think of a few, would have been extremely happy to wake up in the morning and say, oh, the unemployment rate is 2.9%. So that, that's a, a very strong position to be in, and job growth is still pretty good. So uh, th- there's a lot of positives there, but um, obviously the um, uh, concerns would be if the money is not spent you know, prudently, and long-term planning is certainly important because it can dissipate pretty quickly. Thank you. Tom, just um, looking at our budget and and the amount of money, the revenue coming in and all that, can you explain for our audience the Hancock Amendment? I hear a lot of politicians talking about how we're just flush with money. The Hancock Amendment, doesn't that say something about returning some of that money to taxpayers? Well, uh, that's a great question, and I am uh, qualified to opine on that because uh, in my early days uh, of the Hancock Amendment, that's when I was relatively new at the budget office, and uh, that uh, uh, area fell into my lap, for better or worse. Well, the important thing about the Hancock Amendment is it does not cover federal money. So the the, the growth in the budget, as I mentioned, is primarily due to a a surge in federal funding. As I mentioned a few years ago, federal funding counted for about a third of the state budget. Now it's up to just under half. And in this context, that is a seismic increase. So the state's got... uh, you know, a- excellent revenue situation, but is not constrained by the, the Hancock Amendment that limits uh, the total spending. Now, what the state is constrained by is the fact that any significant tax increase would have to be voter approved. But given the current state of the budget and given the political climate, I think it's pretty unlikely that anyone's going to be proposing any significant tax increase in the coming session. And if anything, there would be, I would suppose, a lot of bills filed for tax reduction. Tom Kruckmeyer in with us from the Missouri Budget Project this morning on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 874-9390. Calls or text for our guest today. I've kind of got a left field question for you. What about the the legacy of Charlie Munger, the Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's right-hand man who, who passed away this week? 
Well, I don't know that uh, yeah, I have any real you know strong opinions on that. I mean, obviously, Mr. Buffett's been an uh, extremely savvy investor, and uh, you know, I guess people could learn something from him. But uh, you know, hopefully, uh, the economy, U.S. economy, will continue down a good path. And uh, but there's challenges out there, certainly. What about Bidenomics? I think that's the loaded thing that we need to float across to you, and how that trickles down to where the economy is at for the average mid-Missouri consumer. Well, let's uh, talk about that. Now, back when I was a kid or starting starting into economics, um, people were, you know, there's two things the federal government is primarily interested in. is It's the inflation rate and the unemployment rate. As, as I just mentioned, the unemployment rate in Missouri and nationwide is extremely low. It's almost unprecedentedly low. And there was a time in America when people were pretty happy when there was essentially no unemployment. And, uh, you know, if you needed a job, you could go get a job. And that's currently the situation. It's, it's great in Missouri. We're around 3%. We're adding 50,000. We had 50,000 more jobs than a year ago. And that's all very, very good. Now, the inflation, of course, is a whole other thing. We certainly had a, a huge surge in inflation um, uh, back in 21, 22. But what's uh, interesting, I did bring some genuine facts here today, is that um, <clears throat> the inflation rate has come down quite a lot. It had been up in... Oh, eight, nine percent there for a while. But now over the most of this last year, it's been somewhere, th- yeah, three percent, give or take. And that's much closer to historical norms. And the other thing I, I brought some actual facts and figures on is there's a lot of concern, as there should be, about uh, grocery prices and gasoline. You hear a lot about that. And in, and in both cases, uh, gasoline has dropped off considerably over basically since early in the year. In fact, uh, Missouri, the average gasoline price is $2.83, and it's actually lower than that in the Lake of the Ozarks area. So the, the, the gasoline's come down. Like groceries are still, you know, seem, seem high to me because I'm a grocery shopper guy. And, but, but the, the rate of growth is, is come down substantially. Is it all good? Another thing that people might be, uh, I think is worth pointing out, the, the, the country had, an extremely lengthy era of very little inflation. We had uh, years and years that go by where we were doing, you know, one, two, three percent. So it was, uh, and by historical norms, that was a, a pretty darn good period for low inflation. Then we had, you know, the surge caused and a lot of things, the COVID relief. Well, yeah, we could go into that, but uh, that problem is, is certainly moving pretty strongly in the in the right direction. Now, I do have a question for you, Mr. Kruckmeyer. I'm very concerned. Where do we stand with student loan forgiveness? <laughs> well, I, you know... Um, Come on, man. Time, Don't break know, my Pres- heart. Yeah, President Biden is uh, still, I think, uh, promoting that, but it's not getting universal approval in the Congress. I, I don't know ex- the exact answer to that. Um, <laughs> you know, there's as far as is that a good thing to do or not? I mean, you know, reasonable people can certainly disagree about that, and um, uh, I, I certainly favor you know higher education being affordable to those who would like to pursue that. And this is uh, part of the equation. But um, right now, my best information is that it's still. A controversial issue and we'll uh, sort of see what happens I guess <laughs> we'll see how many uh, 
hate text messages we get on the texter at 874 <laughs> Missouri Budget Project's Tom <laughs> Kruckmeyer. And with that, the liberal you love to hate talking to us a little bit about the economy and the state budget. Looks like on Wall Street, at least, the rally is resuming. We'll check in with the Morning Bell Business News with a twist when we come back on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Saying whatever we want. Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Wake Up Mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 950 KWS. I'm John Marsh. Morning Bell Business News with a twist without Stephanie Bell. We'll do our best. That's the real twist. (laughs) Have stocks have snapped out of their brief funk to reignite this month's rally? Christopher Waller, one of the Federal Reserve governors, uh, propping up the bulls a little bit. He said central bank's current monetary policy appears sufficient to help cool inflation to the Fed's target rate of 2%, prompting a little more confidence on the streets. Missouri Budget Project's Tom Kruckmeyer in with us, former chief state economist with the state of Missouri. Tom, where do you think this is all headed? I guess if we're looking strictly at the state budget for the state of Missouri and the artificial budget surplus that's in there, some two $2 billion or so right now, where are we headed in the upcoming year? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because <clears throat> I wouldn't be doing my job as a member of the dismal science if I didn't leave a go. little uh, sobering news out there. So, um, And it's not that sobering, but uh, here's the deal. Um in fiscal years 21 and 22, the state general revenue grew by crazy strong amounts. So it grew by 26% one year and then another 15. I mean, that's, I assure you, that's off the map. However, those days have kind of come and gone. In fiscal year that ended in June, revenues grew 2.7%. And this year, so far, they're down a, about a percent. Now, let me emphasize that this is what has been predicted. By, you know, the experts at the budget office, my successors, you might say, I think have done a very fine job of estimating this. And, but the, the point is the, the, the party's kind of over. And the, the most interesting statistic over the 10 months of calendar year 2023 through the end of October, state income tax withholding is actually down 1.3%. Now, that is likely because of the uh, income tax cut that uh, went into effect. This year, the income tax rate is, top rate is 4.95, down from 5.3, and next year is going down to 4.8. Now, um, that's fine, but uh, this is beginning to dig into the, the revenue growth that we've been having. Fortunately, sales tax collections remain quite strong. The sales tax for the same 10 months is up over 11%. So it's it's a strange combination, I think it would be fair to say. But um, the, the the bloom is off the rose. Now, the other bill, I, I guess I can leave with some good news. The state budget surplus is still extremely strong as of yesterday or whatever it was uh, just a shade under four billion dollars that's a billion with a b folks and i would say that's eight ten times what it would normally be uh this point in the fiscal year so the state certainly got some cushion there but rather than 
individual income taxes is far and away the largest source of revenue, and growth in that area is beginning to uh, uh, peter out in part because of tax cuts. So the the message there is be careful with the budget, and you know, be careful about uh, how you handle the fiscal situation. Well, I, I guess maybe a word to the wise of our elected officials at the state house you do you think they get the message that this is a temporary deal well i think many of them do uh i i you know again if you look at the historical ups and downs you can see that this has been an unprecedented era and it's pretty simple to point out well uh federal money is now bit under half of the state budget when it used to be about a third and that that money you know with the covid era hopefully ending uh is going to you know dry up so and of course the you know federal government the you know who knows what the heck they're doing on in this area that seems like a bit of jambalaya there in washington but uh the stake is responsible for what it does and it should certainly uh you know take advantage of this you know strong period and keep the the house in order and um go from there Tom Kirkmeyer in with us this morning from the Missouri Budget Project, former chief economist for the state of Missouri. Tom, we always appreciate your view on it, and we'll hold you to it and get you in <laughs> next time, maybe a little after the holidays, and get an update on where the budget's all headed as lawmakers about to return to Jefferson City in a little over a month. Well, certainly happy to do it, and uh, thanks for having me on. Just ahead, we'll come back with Colonel Rick Combs, former Missouri governor candidate, USAF veteran. Talk to Rick about... The situation in the Middle East, uh, a been there, done that, got the t-shirt kind of guy. When we come back on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Words do matter when it comes to these guys. Welcome to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Wake up mid-Missouri, 93.9 The Eagle, 950 KWS. I'm John Marsh. Along with Missouri Budget Project's Tom Kruckmeyer, we thought we'd keep Tom in studio with us because uh, Colonel Rick Combs had, a, had an interesting question you'd like to pose to Tom about uh, the middle class. Yeah, uh, just real quick, Tom. I was reading yesterday the latest figures that came out from Department of Labor. says the median family income not individual income but family income in the united states is forty thousand dollars a year and so if you take the forty thousand dollars a year you're saying about half of american families are below forty thousand dollars a year and i think everybody would look at that and say well forty thousand dollars annually is what thirty four hundred dollars thirty six hundred dollars whatever thirty four i think uh before taxes and I think uh, the the public out there says, well, you, you can't get a lot on that kind of money. If the middle class, obviously, is it dead? Is it dying? Well, I think a, a, a trend that's been going on for a number of years now, and it's quite apart from some of the uh, ad hoc events around the world, is that wealth has been moving to the top of the income categories. And, uh, and I don't have those stats uh, handy, but... Um, what is striking is the amount of, of income and wealth held by a very tiny 
sliver of uh, families or households uh, at the very, very top. And uh, sort of, uh, you know, the old theory of trickle-down economics uh, doesn't seem to be working. Now, in terms of the national statistics, now 40000 a year, a lot of that depends on where you live. I mean, if you live in rural Missouri, you might, you know, get by okay on that. But if you live in uh, there's a lot of higher cost areas where you wouldn't get very far with that kind of money. So you have to, uh, temper it a little bit to kind of local conditions. So, but I think as a general trend, uh, sure, wealth is moving, uh, toward the top and not so much toward the bottom. And, uh, you know, some things have happened to try to ameliorate that. Missouri, in fact, is one of the few states, I think, that indexes the minimum wage. And the minimum wage, I think, is scheduled to go up, uh, Three or four percent next year, and that's uh, certainly helping ameliorate the problem. Uh, earned income tax credit is, are good things, and uh, I never—I always like to point out that that was uh, uh, first championed by President Reagan back in the '80s. And my current employer, Missouri Budget Project, is also a great champion of, of that as a way to alleviate poverty and help uh, lower-income people. Missouri Budget Project's Tom Kruckmeyer is in with us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Yeah, uh, Tom, in terms of the, in terms, I'm going to go back to the uh, the $40,000 number. I think that's just kind of fascinating. You know, you bring up a very good point. Let's say you're in Farmington or maybe you're in Moberly or, quite frankly, Columbia. Um, it would be different than, let's say, if you are in St. Louis or Kansas City. Um, but I think the big thing is the rent. It seems like, to me, the biggest thing I hear from listeners, they talk about food, but I keep hearing from people the rent is going up all over. Are you hearing that as well? And that would have an impact if you're making, let's say, $40,000 a year, whatever you're making. Well, it doesn't affect me personally. I've been a, fortunate enough to be a homeowner sure. now much of my, my recent life. But, uh, you know, certainly supply and demand for rental housing is not always <clears throat> favorable in every market. And a lot of people have, I would think, trouble, uh, you know, making enough money to scrape up the down payment for a house. And uh, that's something you would hope the, the free market would adjust to and have more um, you know, reasonably priced housing uh, made available, but the, that seems to me that's something the the private market uh, should be able to deal with. Gotcha. Thank you, Tom. Recession. We hear all the gloom and doom from the street. Tom, where do you think we're at with all this? Is there a potential for a recession the way things stand now with the economy? Is it election year hype or a little of both? Well, there's always a possibility of it. Now, I think... Um, what we've seen is the the Federal Reserve, of course, um, has raised interest rates, and it's being effective in the sense that the inflation rate, as I mentioned, has certainly uh, tapered off quite a bit. Uh, can you go too far and set off a you know, Sure, because economic policy is both art and science, and we also need to understand that uh, things are, you know, needless to say, going on around the world that the United States uh, can't always do a heck of a lot about. And uh, it's, it can certainly happen. Um, the, uh, the the size of the federal budget deficit, of course, is, is an area of concern because what can the federal government stimulate the economy through deficit spending, which it did in the uh, the COVID uh, Relief Act, the, certainly the CARES Act under President Trump, and then the ARP under President Biden, you know, had you know somewhat similar effects of 
boosting the federal deficit but getting a lot of money to the states and pretty much avoided a lengthy recession. We had certainly a dip uh, uh, during the summer of 2020, but the economy since then has been very, very good. Can that last forever? Uh, who knows? Um, as I mentioned in the earlier segment, the state is having a curious um, phenomenon that income tax withholding has been pretty stagnant, even though job growth is is fairly fairly strong. So there's a lot of moving parts there, and. Uh, and but I think the federal government is a bit constrained by the fact that the you know the the debt and the deficit would make certainly be some reluctance to uh, have another massive aid package. But I mean, who the heck knows? Congress is so divided and has trouble uh, getting things done. I think it would be fair to say, and uh, we'll see what happens. Tom, the uh, Department of Labor says about a hundred million Americans are out of the workforce, effectively out of the workforce, and have walked away. Would that not account for the lower unemployment rates? And uh, for, not only for Missouri, but for the United States. Well, sure. The the way the unemployment rate calculated, and it's, it's pretty simple, the uh, Department of Labor does, the, does their surveys. And <clears throat> to be counted as unemployed, you have to be actively looking for a job. And certainly during the COVID era, a lot of people left the labor force because they uh, didn't want to be out mingling with uh you know, possibly infected people. A lot of them had to stay home and uh, tend to family things. And the labor force participation uh, uh, declined. It started to edge back up, I would point out. And I presume the people who left the labor force had other means of, you know, supporting themselves. And, uh, but the, you know, the, the lack of, uh, the, the the labor shortage, I think, is a big problem, and I, I would certainly hope that at the federal level, the policymakers figure out ways to uh, ameliorate that. Tom, before we let you go, I guess a question out there. You, you've, your long career as an economist for the state of Missouri, you were on staff during those turbulent years where there was a lot of issues on the ballot and people seeking higher office and all. Traditionally, what happened with budget work during uh, big election years? Well, I think uh, you know most. Uh, there's always there's always interest in tax cuts, at least in the more you know recent era when um, this century, you might say. And there've been a lot of tax cuts. The state general revenue as a percent of the economy has declined pretty sharply since uh, the late 1990s. So there's there's always going to be interest in that. And, um, you know, sort of everyone will, you know, sort of have their cake and eat it, too. I'm for uh, cutting taxes on this and that, but we're going to increase funding for education and other things that seem to be popular. So it, it's it's a tough balancing act, and uh, those seeking office are, you know, trying to... And, and a common refrain is, well, why? how can you, you know, cut taxes and increase spending? Well, well you know, we're going to get in there and just, you know, take a good hard look at that budget. Well, that's fine, but people already do that. Uh, you know, the, the office I worked for for 26 years, that's uh, the daily task was to try to spend the money that's available efficiently. Now, of course, reasonable people can 
disagree about what to spend it on, and that's fine. That's what the appropriations process is all about. But uh, I don't know that Missouri, being a low tax, low spending state, uh, how much you more you can you know squeeze from the turnip, if you'll pardon the cliche. But um, state's kind of a very excellent situation right now, and I would hope that um, those uh, who will gain office next year will be good stewards of this good fortune and not uh, not let the uh, um, let this slip away. Missouri Budget Projects, Tom Kruckmeyer in with us this morning. Tom, as always, we appreciate your input. Well, thanks again. Enjoyed it. Colonel Rick Combs, we'll get his take on the latest uh, situation in the Middle East. He's been there for sure when Wake Up Mid-Missouri continues. One question. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Their words are their responsibility. What you think, that's on you. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. a big old serving of leftovers. Enjoy. Offsides. Five-yard penalty. First down. Um, (laughs) Rick, it's one of those situations, I guess we're talking about leftovers. Uh, Fox News reporting on the latest status of uh, hostage releases in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas and gosh, uh, the so-called ceasefire. We heard that the Israeli military was attacked again yesterday your current take on the situation after all the time you spent in the mid-east in the air force well it's typical for the middle east you can sum it up in one word a mess it's just mess um and the i the ceasefire i'm not sure what kind of ceasefire you have if you're getting uh a a force is getting attacked i I don't know what that means Uh, as i said and told you in the break I'm not so sure I would trust a ceasefire in the Middle East at any time of the year from any country. It's a that's a truly strange situation over there. Well, and you've got a different take on it than the vast majority of us and all have because you literally fought the war on terror against radical Islam. Yeah, and I, I tell you, these folks are dedicated to what they do. Talking about Hamas and Hezbollah, uh, they're very dedicated to what they do, and they're willing to die for it, uh, or at least. The rank and file are, I think the headsheds are all living in Qatar now, Qatar, and uh, in a big five-star hotel. So I'm not so sure they're willing to die for the cause, but there's a lot of them over there, thousands that really are ready to go. And um, I find it interesting that uh, much of the world's demanding a a ceasefire and uh, swaps of prisoners for hostages and things like that. But aren't we just, you know, throwing out a question there rhetorically for everybody? Aren't we just compromising or negotiating with terrorists is what we're really doing. I feel sorry for the people, the civilians that, you know, got caught uh, caught up in the whole thing. But it looks like they're trading out-and-out terrorists for uh, civilian hostages. That's what it looks like. Well, I think for the vast majority of people out there, other than the pro-Palestinian protesters, which has been kind of an eye-opener in this country and across the world, vast majority of people would even admit, even on the other side, if it wasn't for the strength of Israel and the strength of Israel's military, there would be no Jewish homeland in the Middle East. 
Well, I think, yeah, they would have been overrun a long time ago if it weren't for the general strength of their military. And a lot of U.S. support billions over the years. A lot. We've we've provided a ton of money over the years. I think uh, a lot of people probably don't realize that the role the U.S. military continues to play in Israel, especially at the time when we think back to, gosh, the scuds hitting Israel during Desert Storm and all that, mm-hmm. and the U.S. bringing in the Patriot missile batteries and all that to prop up their defenses that's now now grown to the, the Iron Dome, which is one of the premier air defense systems in the world now there. Absolutely. And then uh, I was reading uh, yesterday an account where uh, several... Uh, Missiles, several rockets were uh, were shot down or intercepted by uh, a navy ship from Yemen, uh, or the the missiles were from Yemen, and they were shooting the, at one of our ships. The Iran sponsored rebels in you in Yemen, the Houthis. Yeah, so you know that's one of those things. We're involved, but not deeply at this point, or how deeply I'm not so sure. But um, it looks like we. We're doing that little slow crawl toward World War III. That's what it looks like. I know, and you and I have talked about that before, Rick, that uh, it's one of those situations where you know, we're waist deep in, in a proxy war, basically, between Russia and Ukraine, mm-hmm. uh, Israel and Hamas, and then the the rumbles on the horizon. The Chinese always keep looking towards Taiwan. Well, and the Chinese give out little hints. They're a very secretive society obviously and being communist controlled but they're giving out little hints you know that uh, they think their military is going to be ready in 2027 i don't know what that means being ready does that mean war against the u.s does that mean war you know taking over taiwan they do a lot of feints and a lot of uh exercises over around you know the taiwan straits and around taiwan but um they're saying over and over again, oh, yeah, 2027 is our year. That's when we'll be a real military. And so they're, they're kind of giving a hint there that, uh, of what they want to do. So I don't, I don't see China. Uh, and it could be they could be moving on Taiwan today, but I don't, I don't see it today. I think China wants to improve their resources. They've got a, and they're improving their uh, nuclear capabilities, too. Increasing those, and why would they want to attack uh, attack us in the West since they own half the country anyway? It seems like <laughs> it seems like it, but enough is never enough, and uh, I think their uh, their ideas is world dominance. Really, yeah. the U.S. military as it stands now up to the challenge. If the balloon went up tomorrow, I have my doubts. I have my doubts. We've. Uh, we sort of spent a lot of our uh, uh, treasure and, and uh, if you will, a lot of blood and treasure over in Afghanistan and Iraq, just kind of bogged down over there. And uh, we've spent trillions in the Middle East in the last 20 years. And that hasn't helped us as a country whatsoever, because a lot of it's borrowed money by the Chinese, the Japanese, the Saudi Arabians, and et cetera. So... Uh, and I think our troops are fairly demoralized, and uh, I think some of the gains during the Trump administration to try to reinvigorate our military have have sort of been done away with. 
with the uh, Biden administration. You know, we're hearing the new discussions again about the those military personnel who were forced to res, you know resign from the military over forced COVID vaccines. So, Absolutely, story so, for another day, I guess. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's a. Uh, it's quite interesting, and it's sad to see the military being used as a political pawn. But uh, I, I'll tell you this right now: a a three front worldwide war. I don't. Th- I don't think we're ready at all. Colonel Rick Combs, former Missouri governor candidate, and a United States Air Force veteran, with us this morning on Wake Up Mid Missouri. Rick is always.